On this episode of AV Social, we will wrap up the year with the biggest fails and successes in marketing and social media. From tone-deaf ads to the rise of the influencers, all this and more on the next AV Social. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. EV Social number 53, 2019, not safe for Twitter. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, sound extraordinary. Hi everyone and welcome to the latest AV Social. I'm Dawn Mead, one of your hosts, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Miss Kelly Perkins. Hi Kelly. Hello. And as we are approaching the end of 2019, we are going to be discussing today some of the biggest social media and marketing fails and successes that we've come across this year. So Kelly, why don't you introduce us to our guest today? Awesome. Thank you, Dawn. Um, we have uh, one of our regulars, Miss Abby Wolf, Marketing Director at Corey's AV. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And we have a newbie today from Caster Communications, Erin Phillips, who is an account executive, aka PR goddess. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. Happy to be here. Well, we're very and, happy to have you today. Go ahead, Kelly. No, I was just going to say, and I'm, I'm recovering from a virus of losing my voice, so if I go in and out during the, during the podcast today, just don't worry. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm recovering. <laughs> We are glad to hear that. And apparently today is the recovery show because I am also recovering, working from home and uh, recovering from some shoulder surgery. So if I try to gesture, it'll be one-armed or I will be flinching because I forget. <laughs> so let's get started today. Social media and marketing. We always try to do a wrap up at the end of the year to find out just what's been going on, what's been great, what's been bad. Now off the top of my head, I can't think of any major like Super Bowl wardrobe malfunction kind of epic level fails this year. But, um, you know, perhaps I've, I've missed a few. There, you know, there are a few smaller ones that I know we were going to bring up. Um, Abby or Aaron, do either of you know of anything just major and earth shaking that my adult mind might have forgotten at this point? <laughs> I think uh, in my mind, the biggest failure, and it's really a two-year failure, is the airline industry and the Boeing 737 being such a mess, um, particularly in the response, the response time, just the continued a lack of information. Uh, they've really, they didn't hit the nail on the head, if you will. That's a great point. And I, you know, it's, it's hard to say just the 737 issue. That is a major one of the past two years. But as we all know, particularly this end of year travel season, um, you know, that industry as an entire vertical or as a sector doesn't seem to do real great on the, on the customer support public relations front as a rule. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the response time is always very slow. And I don't know if it's because, you know, they have so many different layers that they kind of have to go through. But I mean, in particular, the 737 issue, you know, not being able to get a statement out for almost a month was it really showed the cracks in that industry and, and kind of their response time. Right, right. Erin, um, how about you? you know, are, are, do, you, do you agree on that front or do you have another example that you think is particularly egregious that might have come out this year? 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree on that one. That was a massive, a massive uh, debacle across the industry and certainly hasn't been resolved. So I totally agree on that front. I'm not sure this one isn't necessarily like ground shaking, but certainly something that affects social media as much as it does um, just terrible marketing in general. Snapchat had an ad, I don't know if you guys saw it, pretty tone deaf ad for a game called Would You Rather? And, you know, considering the movement of Me Too and support for those with domestic violence and that sort of a thing. This one was, um, you know, kind of a bit of a nasty turn on Snapchat's part. Um, they had an ad that had a, would you rather slap Rihanna or punch Chris Brown? And it just got absolutely annihilated for all the right reasons. And it just, it, you know, it just shows how, you know, in this fast paced environment that we're all working in from a marketing standpoint, social stopping and really thinking about which, snapshots or whatever you're using across your ads or social media making sure that those are proofed well you have the right people involved um and you're not hitting on sensitive issues that one, yeah. that one stood out for me yeah hashtag too soon on that goodness Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and along that vein you know i think you do have to be aware of timeliness and people's sensitivities in this era which you brought to mind another one that i hadn't really thought of prior to this conversation but um we're approaching the end of the NFL football season. Every year they, they take part in the Pro Bowl and they name, I guess, honorary legends captains. And I do know that there is quite the controversy going on online right now. One of their picks for a legends captain this year is Michael Vick. And uh, I know for myself and Kelly, I'm not sure about Abby and Phil uh, Aaron, but we're, you know, pretty big animal lovers here. Um, you know, and I, I'm ashamed to say that he once played for my team of choice. Um, but I, I do know that there are petitions going around for folks to, to kind of hope that they pull him as an honorary captain for this. But it, it's quite the conversation online. You know, he served his time, let him get on with his career and his life versus he served time for racketeering, but what about those poor animals that he didn't serve a minute of time for? So, mm -hmm. you know, my, my personal views, I'm down with get him out of there. But, you know, that that's something that's really kind of gaining traction right now as the year ends. Um, I've seen yeah, there's, a, there's a special place for him. <laughs> yeah. And it ain't up there. <laughs> So since that one's also kind of timely, let's talk about another one that's come out pretty recently. Um, not too long ago, I guess the past couple of weeks, since Black, around about Black Friday, Peloton, the uh, home bicycling interactive exercise equipment company, came out with an ad that a lot of people online are taking kind of um, personal or, or kind of a, a bad view towards uh, where a woman got a Peloton from her husband, boyfriend, I, I guess, uh, significant other, and documents a year in using the Peloton and makes like a thank you video of, of getting healthier and getting in better shape and everything. You know, my part-time job when I'm not doing the AV thing, I, I do teach a class at a gym. You know, I get the whole initiative on health and everything. I kind of didn't see it as a bad ad. I thought it was okay. Um, others saw it as, you know, misogyny or body shaming or something along those lines. Um, have any of you run into this ad or seen some of the backlash on it or, or uh, jump on in here, Abby, Aaron, yeah, I mean, Kelly? I think that the backlash is probably the worst part of it. I think that um, 
I think that a lot of companies are forgetting to think about where we are right now as a society and what we are talking about in everyday news. And um, I think the worst part about the Peloton thing was their response uh, again. Um, when, when there was outrage, whether it was merited or not, when there was outrage um, kind of rolling out, they focused on the positivity of exercise, which, yeah, I mean, there are so many positive um, attributes to working out on a regular basis and doing that as a family or whatever it might be. But where were the statistics about, you know, this is how many of our customers buy it for their wives and this is how many women versus men buy the Peloton? Like, where were those statistics to kind of paint a picture as to why they chose that story in particular? Um, it's definitely not the most tone deaf thing I've seen. I mean, think about the Dove ads a couple years ago with the shirts that came off right. um, or the Pepsi ad with Kendall Jenner. You know, there are definitely worse or more tone deaf ads, but I think it's all about your response and kind of how you handle it on the back end. Right. Kelly, Aaron, anything to add on that? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think, you know, I didn't take it so personally. I mean, I don't generally take a lot personally. Maybe that's a Canadian thing, but, um, but I do see that based on the environment of what they're showing and the video you're showing, it's obviously someone who's quite well off, someone who's quite thin to begin with. So it just seemed like a bit of a strange combination of maybe a little bit of an elitist group, sort of a, sort of a vibe. I do, on the other hand, think that what they were trying to do and having her document all these little videos fits really well into kind of where marketing is going or has gone um, certainly in the last year and where it's going and how stories and people doing short snippets of videos and um, live moments and things like that are obviously quite popular. So I think maybe they were too concentrated on that piece of it and, and not so much on maybe how it may appear to what should be their target audience, I suppose. Right. I think it's funny. It's just interesting because they talk about how she looks kind of miserable and they, they point out like her eyebrows and it like, it just makes her look like miserable and worried and sad. And it kind of, it, it reminded me of like my dog because my dog always looks so sad because she has these like eyebrows that kind of go in, you know, even though she's like happy. So it's like, I feel like, People are just create, sometimes people just create controversy and, and controversy to create it out mm -hmm. of nothing sometimes. Um, I mean, I, you know, honestly, I don't really have a strong opinion either way on the ad. Um, because like you said, Aaron, I think it's, I think it's cool that they actually created a campaign that was a year long campaign, you know, and kind of showed the struggles and how hard it is to, to continue a workout regimen because it is, <laughs> mm -hmm. right. you know, and I think they just kind of focused on like you, like you guys both said, just kind of the wrong thing. Right. And it kind of wasn't their fault. The actress had rusting puppy eyes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, but it, it is, it's, it's so, it's just interesting how different people can take something a different, you know, a different way and how you have to be so careful these days about, what you post on social media, how, how you portray it. And then like you, you mentioned, Abby, your response to if you do get negative backlash from, from folks out there, because I think that's kind of the most important piece is always be ready, you know, to defend yourself and defend the idea and really explain where the idea came from and what you're truly trying to, to accomplish. 
Right. I think out of this, though, is it, we got to have the Ryan Reynolds response ad, which, I mean, <laughs> it's so great and so funny and, um, and so relevant. I don't know how they turned that around that fast, but... I mean, of that, we got this gift that is the response ad from someone else. So, And for those of you that are watching and listening and haven't come across this controversy at all or the response, uh, Ryan Reynolds, the actor, now owns Aviation Gin, which is an American gin company. And within, it seems like, hours of the Peloton scandal breaking, they managed to find the actress who was in the Peloton ad, hire her, and write a response ad of her sitting at a bar with a bunch of friends drinking and commenting, oh, you look great and no bike included and, you know, enjoy aviation gin and enjoy your life, um, which was a pretty fantastic response. Um, but that's a response from a different company. That's not the response from the company at the heart of the controversy. So uh, Aaron and Abby, in a perfect world, what is the best way to respond when the community or the, the folks at large push back on an ad or message from your brand, uh, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Abby mentioned accountability. Uh, Kelly said, you know, try to explain the message as, as you meant it. But are, are, is there a perfect response? Is this kind of we're all winging it, which is, sort of feels like the case sometimes? I mean, for me, I think I always turn to, you know, when I make a mistake or I've worked with brands um, for many years who have gotten themselves into some hot water, humility and just you know, being human and admitting your faults is, in my opinion, the best way to approach these things. And, um, you know, make a joke about it that, again, careful what the joke is and that you're not going to offend a whole new group of people or cause even more backlash, but just owning it rather than being silent, I think is always the best approach. Definitely. I think your time too. I mean, don't sit on it for a week and let everybody else guide the conversation, jump in, start guiding the conversation, you know, whether it's an apology or you're in defense, which probably shouldn't be your first go-to. Um, I think that response time is everything, even if it's, oh my gosh, we're so sorry, we're going into research and development to figure out why this happened or whatever. Right, for sure. All right, so that's a quick look at a few of the social media PR marketing fails we've seen in 2019. Let's look at something a little more positive. You know, we like to end, the, end things of the year on the positive note. So what are some of the greatest ads or campaigns or, or even just comments that you've run across in our field thus far this year? I mean, I think that the, the winner of 2019 is the influencer. I think that um, not just influencers like Kim Kardashian or, or the, big, the big names, you know, but the micro influencers within these different niche groups um, who, can, who can kind of target an audience that's super engaging and not necessarily about the number of followers that they might have, but the level of engagement that they have with their followers. I mean, you're seeing so many big companies dedicate their marketing dollars to people like Fabletics. I have a list of them here. Beauty Counter, Instant Pot, Blue Apron. All of these companies are putting big dollars into these micro-influencers. And I can't wait to see what comes out of it because it's just so interesting to see some of these people who just regularly run blogs or you know, right, might run a, re a recipe site or something like that um, are making pretty good money off of this and reaching a new audience. I know I listen to my micro influencers and buy whatever they tell me to buy. And um, it's interesting to see the evolution of that. It's so crazy how influencer marketing just happened. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden it's all the rage. I mean, I was in New York last week and even in the subways, there were 
influencer marketing companies with their advertisements everywhere. Like we do influencer marketing. And I mean, um, would one of you guys take a shot at just kind of defining what influencer marketing is to, to our listeners who might not know? Yeah. So an influencer is somebody who has their own, their own audience. Usually it's within some kind of niche. So, um, like I said before, um, I follow a lot of like whole 30 or re or some kind of cooking or style, those pets, those kinds of things. Um, the influencer is someone who has gained the trust of their followers, um, and can then leverage that with brands and ideas to make money. Um, and also promote just whatever they're promoting. Usually you see them on Instagram, which is where they live. Um, the biggest portion of them live. And you can recognize their, their ads with the hashtag ad. And if you look up on Instagram, just hashtag ad right now, currently there's like 10.5 million posts. So it's a big market and it's all kinds of brands. And there's a lot of money being thrown or reallocated in a marketing budget for those people. So like, just as an example of that, um, and this is just personal for me. Uh, one of my, one of my friends and old coworkers, Ashton McGinnis, who you guys may or may not know, she uh, makes her own mittens and has like a little knitting company side job. And it's so interesting because she follows other knitters and they can sell their hats that are made with like lesser quality yarn for $150 where Ashton can sell them for, you know, like maybe 40 bucks, but it's because of this influencer marketing and they're, I guess, navigating and finding the right people to get in front of that they can charge such a high price point versus, you know, folks that just haven't necessarily caught on to the influencer social, social media piece of it. So I think, I think you're right. I think influencer marketing has gotten huge this year and it's, I find it to be such an interesting topic. <laughs> well, and it really came out of nowhere, but it was, should have been predicted, I think, because it really comes at the confluence of two things that we've been talking about for years now, the, the rise of social media and its importance in our lives and the word of mouth marketing. You know, we've said for the past, I don't know how long, Kelly, how long have we been hosting this show that, you know, it's better to have word of mouth of, you know, your own people, your own customers, your own um, advocates that are speaking out for you than all yep. the ads that you can purchase. Mm -hmm. uh, you, we even had Peter Shankman on our show way back when he came out with the book Zombie Loyalists, which was about this very topic. And so when you take this rise of social and you take this um, influence or this word of mouth marketing, bring them together. And I mean, that's all we're really talking about is influencer marketing with a much wider reach which incidentally, Peter Shankman is, is an influencer that I follow and he is a big Peloton user. And I wasn't even aware of the Peloton scandal that we talked about a little bit earlier until I saw a tweet from him saying, you know, folks, the Peloton ad will fade from people's memory, but the press and the word of mouth from it is going to keep going. And I think ultimately there'll be a winner in this. So, you know, there's a way maybe your word of mouth, your influencers can help you when there is a fail like we discussed earlier. Erin, uh, so any is thoughts? There a way? Go ahead, Kelly. No, I was just going to say, so like, it, it feels like influencer marketing is huge kind of in the consumer world, you know, the B2C world. Is there a way that you guys have seen, and this is a bit off the cuff, but maybe you have seen or heard of, of ways in the B2B world that it has worked, or maybe even in our industry where 
um, there are specific influencers and or, you know, a way, a way to, I guess, tie it back to, to the audiovisual industry. Yeah, I think the B2B world, um, it's kind of been happening for a long time, but never really got off the ground because people don't traditionally trust um, corporate brands, you know? So I think for a long time, we've been cross-promoting different art clients or, you know, various projects that we believe in or are affiliated with. But I think that tr the general trust of the community is more focused on the individual rather than the company. But I would love to see it work for a B2B operation in a way that it is for just the individual level. I will say, and maybe this is plugging a bit for the AV Nation crew, if there is anyone who's doing well in terms of having a nice, um, I'd say, neutral in a way voice across our industry, AV Nation has been doing that for years. I mean, just with Resi Week and AV Week pulling um, articles from various publications every week and talking about hot topics. I think if anything, um, plus of course having their guests being integrators and various manufacturers, having all of those opinions across um, you know shows week after week. I think that's a, a, a really good example actually of how our industry has a little bit of that without it being you know focused on one publication's uh, opinion. For what it's worth, everybody, when Aaron said that, our producer and uh, fabulous founder of AV Nation, Tim, said, stop it, I'm blushing, which... <laughs> I'm not being paid for this, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, I, I kind of want to come out, and, and I, I hate doing this with a guest because we love having you ladies on here, but I got to disagree with Abby on this a little bit. I think that influencer marketing in B2B has been around forever. We just never really called it influencer marketing. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, how many people, you know, I was an integrator for about 20 years. Now I'm an end user. But how many people, when you'd get a bid or when you'd get a project, would say, and we need three to eight examples of like size, like quality, uh, you know, projects that you've completed in the past or we need to speak with some of your former clients. I mean, that's really nothing but a form of influencer marketing, but it's the new customer coming to the old customer and saying, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Are they worth it? Or, you know, how often have we put case studies in magazines and, and on panels at shows like Infocom and, and uh, you know, the video show or government video expo and discussed projects that we've done in an effort to get more of those types of customers. So I think it's been around, just the social media aspect has flipped it a little bit. It, you sort of like the sea change, it used to go corporate to, to home. Now it goes home to corporate in driving the technology. Mm -hmm. Similar thing, it used to go, hey, I have a lot of money I wanna spend. Who did you guys use? Who did you guys use? Who did you guys use? Now it's, hey, look at these things that, that this company has done for us. Don't you wanna use them as well because you've got a similar project coming. So uh, it, it, it's been around, it's just sort of taking a new form in, in this uh, modern era. Um, but but I, I do agree with Abby that, that the B2C world is doing it better on the social front currently, I think. Um, so I, the rise and of influencer just, marketing. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say too, and it could be the channels, right? I mean, right. who do you, how many companies do you follow on, like B2B companies do you follow on Instagram, right? I mean... <laughs> To a, to a certain extent, there's some that, that I follow that are, 
just cool and some that I follow because I have to, but I don't want to go in my, I don't want my Instagram feed either being flooded with a bunch of corporate companies. Cause for me, it's more, you know, this is what my friends are doing and I want to see kind of just more the personal side anyway. So your kids, dogs, cats, and looking. Christmas trees, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Um, let's see some other big social media successes that we've come across this year, aside from the rise of influencer marketing. Um, one that just happened in the past, gosh, week or so, I became aware of it. I'm sure it started a little sooner. Um, and, and it is a B2C company, but it brought in a whole lot of companies that aren't necessarily B2C. And that is on Twitter, if anyone's still on Twitter these days. Netflix recently posted a question that was there just to generate conversation. And the question was, and pardon, you know, if it's a little risque, or at least it goes very risque, but what is something that you can say as a brand uh, marketing person that you can also say during sex? Which is a hilarious question to ponder, but it was immediately jumped on by hundreds of brands, of companies, and of individual influencers or individual celebrities who took part in this discussion. And if you haven't read that, go on Twitter, find Netflix. Uh, I, I'm not even sure if there's a hashtag for it. Uh, if there is, somebody look it up. But um, and read not just the brand responses, which, by the way, you'll be surprised at all the brands that participated and how they responded, but also the responses from your average follower, your average reader. It is hilarious. And uh, I will give kudos where kudos is due. At least one AV company, which we tend to be quiet when the big, the big brands, the big companies are playing, but kudos to Premier Mounts for jumping in with a hilariously slightly risque response to that question. Um, I gave them a shout out on Twitter because AV Tweeps playing in the big, you know, sandbox was great. Um, anyone have a favorite or, or a, a, a comment on this little conversation, we'll say, that's been going on on Twitter these days? <laughs> I was just shocked by the people who actually jumped in. The brands that jumped in were shocking to me because it was like, wow, you guys really went there. I didn't see you as the type of brand to do that, which kind of created a more human approach for me to say, oh, these brands are a little more human than we thought, right? Right. Have a sense totally of humor. Agree. Even I think one of my favorite responses to that was TED Talks, which of course, generally speaking, I would say they're you know quite a serious brand. Um, but their response was, "Thank you for coming to my TED Talk." And I just thought, "Oh, <laughs> now they spelt it C O M I N G." So yeah. oh my god, we're all curves. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the very nature of the question was designed to be slightly not safe for work. So the I fact that it. some of these large, stodgy you know, family brands were jumping on board, pun somewhat intended, it makes it <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, we are all pervs, and most of humanity at some level, I I've said for years, and Tim and the guys in the AV world know this, but I maintain every man and woman that's an adult has an inner 12-year-old boy that lives inside them and just occasionally laughs at the most inappropriate things. Now, whether we as mature adults and mature women, those of us on the panel, let that inner 12 year old boy laugh that's a different thing but this kind of question just appeals to that um 
I'm presuming they're from the Midwest, but there's like a 7-Eleven, uh, Speedy Mart kind of company out there called Come and Go Markets. Mm-hmm. And they, they simply responded quite brilliantly. Someone tagged them and said, I think you need to be in this conversation. And they said, we're not touching it. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's like fart jokes. They never get old, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know, you got to do your duty for the country. <laughs> duty. Uh, you know, the whole Beavis and Butthead kind of phenomenon. It's all appealing to that inner 12-year-old. <laughs> that is funny. I love it. <laughs> so true. And anyone else, now that we've gone on this divergence and referred people to Twitter, where you will, I guarantee, laugh at at least some, if not all, of the comments. Um, you know, good, good job, Netflix, on that one. But does anyone have any other success stories from this year that you might think of uh, off the top of your head? I do. How about Popeye's Chicken this year? Ooh. And and a lot of people don't realize. Yeah, whole, that was good. Yeah, this whole viral food thing happened it started online. It started on Twitter with them kind of being sassy to Chick-fil-A and Wendy's who are also notoriously sassy online and have a really strong social media presence. So they stepped in like, we're here to play. And then they kind of created this stunt. Now, if it was intentional or not, we don't know, but running out of food and creating that viral aspect of things like I have to have it now um, is, is pretty big, but there's a, number floating out in the internet right now that the ad equivalency just in the immediate like two weeks following that whole controversy or excitement was like 65 million dollars in ad equivalency so i think people are still standing in line but how great is that for popeyes to be able to say we really needed this big boost and we got this big boost all because of some how do you say that because they were viral basically right although in some ways, it, that almost might be a social media. I mean, it was a social media success, absolutely, for the year. But in some ways, it, it almost became a fail when they started having physical fights and riots mm-hmm. at some of these locations. And then they went viral because people were drawing guns at Popeye's waiting in line for chicken. Like, like calm down, folks. You know, yeah, you, it, it's, it's, just it's, yeah it's just chicken. It, it's, <laughs> it's similar to Black Friday. Every Black Friday, as many people tune in to the social sphere looking for those viral videos of stampedes and fights as they do going out and shopping for some deals. You know, it's interesting, I think. Agreed. I, I, I don't know what's so big deal of, what such a big deal of a chicken sandwich is, but. <laughs> did anybody have one? No? Nope. No, I did not. We're not their target market. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Just enjoy the, the uh, watching the social insanity, right? Exactly. Well, folks, we're getting low on time here, um, but we are, as I said, wrapping up the year. So just a real quick go around before we say goodbye to everybody. Uh, ladies, all three of you, let's have maybe one or two things that you think is going to be big in social marketing, social media, um, or PR. What, what's going to be big in our world in 2020? We're coming up on a new decade. God, that makes me feel old. Uh, what, what do you see as, as the hot new thing or the thing to keep an eye on? Uh, let's start with Erin. I like, put you on the spot since you're our newbie today. No problem. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I mentioned it a little bit previously. I think video in any way, shape, or form. I know subtitles on videos is, is a huge thing. So I think that piece of marketing is there. Also, I'm not one to jump on the new social bandwagon. I tend to wait and see what gets popular, but from 
all the reading I'm doing, TikTok is something to pay attention to, and that is a video app, a video sharing app as well, especially if you're targeting uh, a younger audience. So something to be aware of, I think. Yeah. TikTok is so fun. Is anybody else on TikTok? There you go. This is so fun. I was on it, and then I didn't really get it, so then I just deleted it. <laughs> Kelly is not a Fisco girl. I feel like every social media platform. Oh my God. Where are we doing this? (laughs) A Fisco girl. (laughs) For those of you of a certain age, none of these three, obviously, but myself, Visco girl basically means you use scrunchies and and big metal water bottles and dress like we did back in the 90s. So if you've been there, done that, don't worry about it. (laughs) It's not for us. (laughs) Abby, what do you think is coming up big in 2020? Well, I hope to see more collaboration between brands. I know that our industry is great in this, um, kind of collaborating, whether you're with an end user or you're with or an integrator or a manufacturer. So many people work really well together. Um, I would love to see that take a step even further and really push the boundaries. I think we're just scratching the surface on what that means to collaborate with other brands. Um, and then I'd love to see it kind of translate into other uh, industries as well, because I think that we're almost at the leading edge of this kind of collaboration, our industry. And I I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Ellie, how about you? You know, just because you're a co-host, you get opinions. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, I guess where I've been starting to see a big shift is, you know, not just posting on social to post, right? You know, it's not just as much as you can get up there, but being really strategic about it and going after those and focusing on those audiences that you're really looking for because there's so many people out there and the audiences are so broad and so wide that it's just been interesting to do kind of more on the on the strategic part but also really honing in on some of the channels uh, with targeted marketing on LinkedIn and Facebook and really honing in on those those markets with a little bit of paid you know you don't have to spend a lot to get some seriously valuable data and figure out where your customers are. You can spend a hundred bucks a month on Facebook and stuff. So I think some of that's really going to start to become more of the norm if people aren't doing it already. But I think, I mean, that's where I, I seem to be hearing a lot about folks doing that. And, and, um, and I haven't done a ton of it in the past. So it's been an interesting learning curve. (laughs) Okay, so so far we've got segmentation um, and, and, and targeting from Kelly. Abby gave us uh, collaboration. Aaron brought up the idea of video. And, I, you know, for myself, I see immediacy. And since we've had social media in the past, well, well, God, 10 years since I've been on Twitter at least, and, you know, folks even before that, we've really seen a, a speeding up of the marketing and, and advertising cycle. And I see that continuing into the next decade and becoming even more important as we get responses. I mean, we talked about that several, several of the stories or, or topics we discussed today. Peloton didn't have the immediacy. Uh, Boeing didn't have the immediacy. Uh, some other companies are just right there and jumping on top of things. No offense or no pun intended, but you know, Netflix and all of the brands responding, you know, that that's taking advantage of that, of that immediacy and time-based marketing. So I think that's going to be even more important going forward. 
So I think that's our time for today. I want to thank all of our guests for coming today. As is tradition, Erin, I'll fill you in on this. We always end our show with a quick go round of where everybody can find each of our guests online, in person, on social media, and or their companies. So uh, Erin, where can folks find you and or Caster Communications? Sure. So on Twitter, we're super active from Caster Communications at Castercom with two M's. And I'm on Twitter as well as Erin, short form marketing PR. So MKTGPR. I'm happy to chat and catch up with you guys there. Of course, LinkedIn as well, but that would be the, the hottest and most immediate response there. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming today. And uh, we hope to have you back in the future. I appreciate it. Thanks. And Abby, as usual, where can folks find you or Corey's AV on the social spheres? And yeah, social, you can find us on all channels at Corey AV without the S. Um, you can find us online at Corey's audiovisual.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I don't know if you're going to, I mean, it's, there's not a lot of value there, but <laughs> Abby R. Wolf with an E on the end on Twitter. And for those of you that are of a certain age growing up in the 90s. It is not Corey like Heyman Feldman with an E. It's C-O-R-Y for right. the Corey names there. Thank you for coming on the show today, Ab. Thank you. And Kelly, where can folks find you and or NSCA and or anyone else you want to plug today? <laughs> uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Kelly P. Perkins. I uh, help run the Ignite initiative through the NSCA Foundation. So you can find me also at igniteyourcareer.org. I also help a couple other uh, companies in the industry with their marketing. Um, so again, reach out to me, uh, kellyp.perkins at gmail.com or on LinkedIn or on Twitter or Facebook or the other channels minus TikTok. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for coming as usual. Uh, for myself, I'm Dawn Mead. You can find me online, most of the serious social places as Dawn Mead with an E on the end, just like the general or the fort. Um, you can also find me on Twitter and Insta and Snappy Chat and all those places at AV Dawn. And uh, where I work is kind of a secret, so I can't tell you that. But if you see me, you see me. And if you know, you know. Uh, but of course, you can always find me right here at avnation.tv, home of AV Week, Resi Week, and a host of other podcasts, including our AV Social Show. So uh, look for me, avnation.tv. And thank you all so much for spending your time with us today. In case we don't talk to you before then, have a very happy holiday and a great 2020. 